Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is a Monday, September 25th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's choosing to join us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book, His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again, absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And before you're done typing the word forgiveness, if you choose to do that, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we help people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively engage these tools. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we would appreciate you do so by giving us a call if you're on the show live at 563-999-3581. Once you call that number, 
If you press 1 on your phone, it will let us see your hand is raised and put a little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. Alternatively, if you're listening in the archives and you'd like to get some feedback or submit your own comments, questions, answers, etc., you can give us a call at 56, or you can send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And if we get that question or comment or feedback from you, we will address it on the Internet show, and then as time allows, send you a notification about what day and time it was addressed so you can listen back to the archive for your feedback. And we greatly appreciate whenever anybody chooses to do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service. And that's just a whole lot easier to do when you give us some direct feedback about what's working for you and what's landing well and what isn't. We get people doing that more directly in the support groups, which happen and are available absolutely free on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Central. And we also get you know, a fair amount of people calling in while we're live on the show and giving us feedback or raising questions. And if you're able to do that, we appreciate it greatly. And if you want information about how to join us on the support groups, which are free, uh, all the information you need to join us is available on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website. That's MindShiftersAcademy.org. And there's a separate login info page for the Tuesday group and a separate one for the Thursday group. I had the um, I had the experience over the weekend of listening back to several of the support groups that um, we've had in the past month. One was just about a month ago. And then um, this last Thursday, and I'm amazed at the stuff that comes out, the wonderful questions that people ask, the worksheets that people highlight and do, the clarification of um, critical issues that most of us are dealing with day in and day out, and um, I. I highly recommend it, whether you attend our group or you find another group to attend that fits your time frame and scheduling better. The support group experience is um, extraordinarily valuable, in my opinion. And as Michael Rice likes to talk about, every time somebody asks a question, it stirs things up for everybody else in a specific way that hasn't quite been done before. And so, you know, any question is a good, useful question to ask, and it's as much in the 
I was going to say the word struggle, but it isn't so much a struggle. It's in the the massaging of those questions that we learn and grow, each of us, in ways that we can't really predict until we engage the process. And what is that process? It's questioning. It's observing directly in the moment. It's being willing to question everything you think you know. Like the Course in Miracles would ask us to put away our trifling treasures, let go of everything we think we want, and leave a clean and open space for something new. Guy Finley says, in talking about the ancient scriptures, having the faith in things seen and unseen. And he says, the faith in the things seen means things you can imagine. And if you just put your faith in those things you can imagine and you think you know because you've imagined it and this is what it's supposed to be, you stay stuck in the old pattern of just duplicating what you've already had in your life and getting more and more of what you've already had that you say you don't want. We have to be willing to cancel our goals, to ask to be shown what the conscious logical mind cannot show us, and just get in the practice of experiencing what happens when we do that. It's not something that we can think our way through. It's not something we can even talk about to other people in any meaningful way because it it goes beyond words. The experience of life itself goes beyond words, each new heartbeat. And so, you know, you can't give someone the experience that they're going to have um, well, let's say when they eat chocolate for the first time, just by talking to them about chocolate, you can't give them the experience of being at the most beautiful sunset you've ever experienced just by using some words of description and some colors. You've got to step into the experience And that's what we're encouraging people to do on this Internet show and in the support groups. Figure out, okay, here's here's the life situation I'm in right now. Here's my experience of it. I like it or I don't like it. If I like it, let me understand what I'm doing in the pattern of interaction with life and the world around me and the people around me that's helping this to to have this experience. And if I don't like it, if I'd prefer to have something else, let me get really clear about what I'm doing to help this experience unfold the way it is so that I can change it. I can change my part in it. I mean, I'd be able to change the whole thing, but when I'm clear about what my part in it is, when I'm asking to be shown, when I'm 
passively labeling myself as a victim, I'm in trouble. When I'm asking to be shown what's mine to do and what have I done to to lead us to this position, now I have something I can actively work on to change and then evaluate again soon after that change. Do I prefer this? Would I like to change something else? But the benefit here is that it has me focusing on things that I actually have control over rather than sitting around complaining about things that I can't control. And generating negative emotions around things I have no control over. That's, you know, that's as silly as standing in the middle of the Mississippi River facing upstream and screaming at the water that it should be running in another direction. It just doesn't make any sense. So when we were um, in, in the middle of Friday's show, I had somebody show up at my office, and I'm the only one here, and they had some pressing need, and I found myself trying to multitask. And as a result of the multitasking, I ended up starting to read from the book uh, Choose Again by Diedrich Wolzak. And um, I've had you know various thoughts about that. Um, Jeannie Rice made the comment that she was enjoying it on Friday when she did the handoff to the other second hour. Um, I, I will confess that as some some parts of me reading that, they think about what we've tried to create as an atmosphere on this show, um, as a sharing and a teaching, that... Um, that reading some of the very difficult parts of Diedrich's life experience um, was bristling for me. And and I thought, you know what, that's not really what we want to be doing. And uh, at the same time, I understand that that's not the point of his work. His work is just giving some background and... um, he spends most of his book talking about solutions to this. So where I left off was from a section titled From Self-Loathing to Nothingness. And Shannon Alder wrote, The chains that keep you bound to the past are not the actions of another person. Those chains are your own anger, your own stubbornness, your own lack of compassion, your own jealousy, and your own pattern of blaming others for your choices. It is not other people that keep you trapped. It is only the entitled role of victim that keeps you trapped. 
and only if you enjoy wearing it. There is a familiarness to pain that you might seem to enjoy because you get a payoff from it. And when you figure out what that payoff is, then you will finally be on the road to freedom. So Diedrich keeps writing in his book. He says, in Holland, when I was 12, boys played either soccer or field hockey. I took up field hockey, which my brother had played at boarding school. We made a dirt field in the back of our garden where the neighborhood boys would come and play for hours every day. Of the five boys who played there on a regular basis, all eventually played first division and three went on to play for national teams. My brother and I both excelled at the sport and eventually played in the first division in Holland and later on the Canadian national team. My father never supported us emotionally, nor did he ever say a kind word. Instead, he would comment after every game he watched on Sundays that it had been, quote, useless again, close quotes. It's important to note that I didn't play competitive field hockey out of any real joy for the game. Rather, I was driven to excel by my underlying belief in profound unworthiness. Now, I hid this pretty well, even from myself. If I could diminish or even humiliate an opponent, I briefly looked good. Years later, I noticed many highly successful clients living out that same kind of story. Many chose to excel at something so no one could see what a failure they believed themselves to be, even at a deeply hidden level. Isolated by my self-loathing, I became a seeker. Some small part of me desperately needed to know, other than this vile creature, what else is in me? What's the point? Why was my world the way it was? So having no one to turn to, no trusted adult by my side, I devoured a world of books for the answers. By the time I was 16 or 17, I'd read everything I could get my hands on. Schopenhauer, Nietzsche, Camus, Sartre, you name it, I've read it. I read everything and everyone. And every time I'd open a new book and start reading, I'd think, wow, this is incredible. Only become disillusioned shortly thereafter. There were no real answers for me in the books I read. Nothing practical that I could apply to my life to help me figure it out. Nothing that led in a consistent fashion towards a reasonable understanding of what this life is all about. Then one night, in the midst of this eternal chaos, I awoke in a state of unspeakable peace, joy, and clarity. I had seen something in this state, something I'd been deeply searching for. I had seen the answer to my question. The answer was that there was no question. I lay back down in bed. I was determined to return to the state I had awakened from because I wanted to see what this actually looked like. 
lying back down, I went back to that blissful state, and I saw crystal clear blackness, an unspeakable emptiness, which was full of certainty and beauty and infinite peace. It was also a place where I understood, where I knew by experiencing the interconnectedness of all things, myself included. Many years later, when I related this experience to a Buddhist Rinpoche, he laughed and laughed. Buddhists have a habit of laughing at just about anything, so I was not taken aback. And then he said, You are a Sunyata Buddha. My ego was quite pleased with that label, but I had no idea what he was talking about, so I asked him what it meant. He said, It means nothing. It means you've been to nirvana, but you will never go back there unless you do the work. Now I know that state of unspeakable beauty and peace is who I really am, and that is who you are too. This absolute clear nothingness is the very essence of your being. I did not share this experience with anyone. If I had lived in India, I would have informed a guru, and no doubt he would have simply chuckled and said, congratulations, you're enlightened. And before meandering nonplussed on his way, he would just say, yeah, congratulations. Instead, I was sent to psychiatrists and psychologists in what turned out to be one fruitless appointment after another. These well-meaning professionals suffered through the sessions without me ever saying a word. I was stone-cold silent. I would not respond to their thoughtful questions. I would not play with the toys they were meant to reveal some deeply held disorder. I would not participate in any way. A number of psychotic episodes subsequently ensued, which I shared with no one. I recognized that I was, indeed, going insane. And I decided not to allow my mind to, quote, think, close quotes, anymore. It was simply too dangerous to walk this path without a guide. I am extremely grateful to those years of my journey and that those years of my journey didn't transpire in the 1980s or later when I would have received so many diagnoses that I would have been medicated into oblivion. It might have been PTSD and ADHD and borderline personality disorder and bipolar and schizophrenia and autism and Asperger's. These are just some of the labels I could have been stuck with and I would wear still to this day. I certainly wouldn't have escaped a bewildering array of psychiatric and psychotropic medications. So I was increasingly isolated, and I began to find relief in playing hours of highly competitive sports every day, indulging in alcohol and later drugs, trying to kill the hateful creature that I believed myself to be. Yet, I was also trying to rediscover the mysterious experience for which I had no context. And like most addicts, self-destruction and misdirection, I was doing self-destruction and misdirected seeking. But soon the tipping point had been passed and the downward spiral of my journey began. 
As I descended into a hell of my own making, I fell further and further away from that sparkling void of eternal essence that I had known, if only for brief moments, and I had known it to be my real self. So Discovering a Better Way is the title of the next section. He writes, In 1964, when I was 22, I immigrated to Canada. There I was selected for the Canadian National Field Hockey Team and played internationally for a few years. I attended the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. The initial plan was to study commerce, return to Holland, and join the bank that my great-grandfather had founded which at the time was still a, quote, family bank, close quotes. Instead, I switched to fine arts and then architecture and got married in 1969. Had two wonderful daughters and embarked on a career as an entrepreneur. I had a landscaping company, and I worked as a landscape architect, a restaurant owner, and a developer. In each case, my business would initially thrive, and then my belief-guided self-sabotaging tendencies would deliver evidence to prove that I could not and should not succeed. I was married twice and divorced twice. My very strong belief that I was unlovable combined with an enduring conviction that love can and will be lost. I would sabotage many relationships before I finally began really healing that belief. Around the time of my 50th birthday, my life was desperately in need of a U-turn if I was to survive. I was drunk every night and had determined that unless I could discover a better way, I would drive my car off the road on the Vancouver Highway to Whistler Highway. The drop was several hundred feet. The chances of survival were nil. I set out once again on the path to an awareness of my real self, In so doing, I arrived back at the place where I had never actually traveled from to begin with. That place is the truth of who I am. Also, the truth of who you are. Unchangeably whole and complete. And in a pivotal moment of insight, I realized that maybe, just maybe, there might be a way out of my misery. There might be a better way of living after all. He quotes A.A. Milne, author of Winnie the Pooh. Here is Edward Bear coming downstairs now, bump, 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 on the back of his head, behind Christopher Robin. It is, as far as he knows, the only way of coming downstairs. But sometimes he feels that there is really another way, if only he could stop bumping for a moment and think of it. And then he feels that perhaps there isn't. Diedrich writes, finding that, quote, better way, close quotes, took me on a year of intensive study and meditation and very little else. During that time, I focused on the nature of my self-hatred. Where had it come from? How had I constructed my own self-loathing? I was, of course, beginning to deconstruct it. And that's the process we use today in the profoundly healing work of the, quote, choose again, close quotes. This process will help you to deconstruct the identity that you made up about yourself at a very young age, because in the vast majority of cases, 
that formative identity is the source of our chronic unhappiness. We all make up an identity of which the cornerstone is typically guilt. I made up a guilty identity, and you probably did too. Until you realize this and own it as your own with unwavering clarity, you will think that the source of your unhappiness is something outside of yourself. You'll think, well, it's my parents, or it's the economy, or your boss, partner, or kids. Regardless, it will seem to be someone or something outside of you that needs to change and not you. Or if you suspect you really are the problem, you'll be tempted to conclude that the situation is hopeless. A psychiatrist I saw in the 70s gave me this encouraging diagnosis on my second and my last visit. He said, quote, you are hopelessly eccentric. You'll just have to learn to live with it, close quotes. Hopeless, an unchangeable identity and character. As I began to really examine my life, I realized that in order for me to begin deconstructing the self that I loathed, I had to learn to feel. In the beginning, that was a huge challenge because I only had two feelings, numbness and rage, with very little in between. What I used early on in my process was a feeling sheet. On it are listed nearly 70 different feelings. You'll find it in Appendix A of this book. This feeling sheet allowed me to begin to identify what I was really feeling at any given moment of the day. As a result, I was able to recognize feelings of abandonment. I could isolate feelings of disappointment. And I could identify feelings of rage, fatigue, and hopelessness. Then I took the next step of accepting the teaching that I was choosing a particular feeling in a particular moment based on an erroneous core belief that I held about myself. I hope you can hear how important this is. So he writes it again in italics and underlined. He writes, I choose the feelings I experience. And then he repeats it. I choose the feelings I experience. Let that sink in for a moment or so. Let's put it another way. It's my beliefs about myself, my self-made identity, which chooses my feelings. There is no one else in here choosing my feelings for me. So I had to learn to experience feelings. To do this, I would train my mind to focus on the feeling, and then I'd make it really big. And then I'd say, quote, okay, what belief am I holding about myself in this moment that is choosing this particular feeling, close quotes. Once I had been able to isolate and articulate a belief, I would continue by saying, that belief is not true. The truth of me is love. The truth does not choose feelings, but automatically engenders a state of being which can be called bliss. That's a given. 
if I were in my true mind, I would be in love, the state of love, the state of bliss. There would be no anger, no sadness, no envy. And that is because, in truth, there is only an experience of unconditional love. That is our essence. By observing all of my feelings, I was able to uncover the deeply held beliefs about who I thought I was that were driving my behavior. As I learned to recognize the insanity of those beliefs and correct them by replacing them with the knowledge of who I truly am, my behavior changed accordingly. With the help of a group of counselors in Vancouver, I began to put together a practical way of incorporating the lessons I'd learned from spiritual texts. You can see the recommended readings list in the back of this book. And utilizing the principles of attitudinal healing. When I became a, a professional counselor, I formalized this process into the Choose Again six-step process. The result was the establishment of the Choose Again Attitudinal Healing Center in Vancouver, with the opening of a residential center in Costa Rica a few years later. Living at the center near Areno, Areno in Costa Rica, this provides me with an opportunity to continue to work on myself every day, while at the same time holding up a mirror reflecting the truth, capital T, truth, to others so that they can recognize their own true self. I'm increasingly less tolerant of a feeling or a state that is anything other than joy or peace. I'm increasingly losing all fascination with the thoughts that cause my upsets. For instance, I don't find it particularly interesting to be angry anymore. I used to get a perverse sense of false power from anger, and I was good at it. But I don't find it interesting anymore. I don't find sadness interesting anymore. I don't get off on sad stories. They simply don't touch me. What moves me now is love. People come to me with heart-wrenching stories of trauma, sexual abuse, and emotional abuse. I listen to them, but I don't react. And at the end of the story, the bearer of the story will ask me in a perplexed tone, doesn't any of that touch you? I answer, well, no, it doesn't touch me, I respond, because it doesn't reflect the truth of who you really are. Your story has nothing to do with who you really are. The truth of who you really are, that's what moves me. I get teary-eyed when you and I connect at that true level, when we connect with love. That's when I cry. But your story won't make me cry because your story is not you. It's just a story. The only reason to tell the story of my early years is to demonstrate unequivocally that whatever happened to you and me when we were young does not have the power to keep us prisoner for life. I have seen too many people recover from unspeakable early life trauma. 
people who had been told they would never, quote, get over, close quotes, their past. My story is not who I am either. It led me to believe that I was a monster, but that is not who I truly am. I was fortunate enough to experience my true self when I was a teenager, and that knowledge kept me from completely self-destructing, and it eventually led me back to my true self. I know the truth of who you really are because that is the truth for both you and me. In the following chapters, I will show you how your current identity came about. Then we will begin the work of deconstructing it. This will enable you to connect to profound inner peace and contentment. Franz Kafka said, quote, paths are made by walking, close quotes. The paths we are making by inner processing of our feelings and beliefs are new neuropaths. We are actually changing our minds at the deepest levels. Compare this to making a path through a rainforest, a very dense and tangled environment. It takes hard work. But after a lot of sweating and slashing and cursing, we have our path. Now, what do you think happens if we stopped there? What would that path look like in a month? The truth is, there would be no path anymore. The rainforest would swallow it up, just like the way the ego can swallow up all the effect of a few well-meaning six-step processes. You have to keep the way open. You have to keep processing till that tentative little path has become a six-lane highway, and even then you have to maintain it. Like a rainforest, the ego simply waits for you and I to slack off. The question is, Are you worth it? Are you worth the sustained, committed, and disciplined approach to changing your mind? Now, if it's not clear to you, this is exactly why I really liked and read this book and interviewed this man. This is exactly the same teaching as we Dr. Michael Rice puts out in his lectures and why he makes the worksheets available for free and why he encourages people to do worksheets every day, clean your mind every day, do the mental, emotional hygiene. You know, he talks to people about how we wash every day, we eat every day, we don't think, oh, you know, I reached 40 years old. I've had enough showers. I'm never going to shower again. Yeah, I made it to 55. I guess I don't... I've eaten a lot of wonderful food. I don't need to eat anymore. We don't do that when it comes to our physical hygiene and our physical health. And yet, almost no one that I know that I've met outside of these circles has been introduced to the concept of doing daily work for their physical, uh, for their mental and emotional hygiene. 
So it's the same kind of a process that we're urged to take in the Diedrich Wolzak six-step process. That six-step worksheet is very much like Dr. Michael Rice's reality management worksheet. And it's something that can have a powerful, positive impact. And if I stop using it, if I get lazy, my ego will step right in and repeat its old messages, its old patterns. And I'll be left with the results. What results? The results of getting what I've always gotten before because I just keep doing what I've always done. So call in number is 563-999-3581. I'm interested in comments, questions, answers, testimonials. How is this landing for you to be reading about Diedrich Wolzak's Choose Again six-step process? How have you discovered in your own life that you need to be doing something about your mental emotional hygiene every day and if you don't you notice you notice the slip back seven six zero you're in the air Thanks, Dr. Kim. This is Anne. Wow. Profound. I love it. Um, This I will write down to share with my friend that God seems to have definitely been a part of putting in my life recently. And it's such a great um, introduction to Michael's work. And it's exactly... I started sharing a little bit from my perspective, and it's just a great, the whole show, I'm just trying to ask if, you know, he would listen to it, because it just explains the whole thing about letting go of the past and renewing your mind, that scriptures talk about, and just um, transition from what we grew up with to what I know differently now, and I just think it will be really helpful to say. Hey, this is how I'm getting better at choosing again. And then I don't have to stay stuck. And I have already shared about the edging God out of the ego. So I think this will be a really good um, something to share with him. Anyway, just thank you. I just appreciate you so much. And, you know, all the stuff that Michael and Jeannie do, like you said, it's just, um, and it sounds like Dietrich is just, yeah, right on track with all of that as well. So thank you. Blessings. Well, you're very welcome and deserving. Thanks for that. I think um, what I'm hearing you say is that me reading this is is striking you as though it's a good introduction to Michael's work. And mm-hmm. I, I had been doing Michael's work for about 17 years when I first heard about Diedrich's work and um, when I read this part in the book about mm. 
the rainforest and carving the path and what happens if you stop after you've carved the path, you come back a week later and you can't even find the path. Well, that's like us. And when I got that far, I said, yep, I want to interview this guy because he's on the same track, right? There's no magic pill here. There is work to be done. And and it pays benefits like right away. It's not like I'll ever be done, but I, I don't have to wait forever to see any benefits either. I can start seeing benefits from the first worksheet or two and the first forgiveness process or two. The yeah. first day or week or month of actually living in the question and asking to be shown. I can see the benefits. Yes. yes, and what what it showed me in that particular piece that you just mentioned, the rainforest thing, it immediately gave me the picture because he has, um, in the gated community where he lives, um, had bought this house that was overgrown. So I likened it to the rainforest, right? And he had to um, make a path, so to speak, through cleaning out, and he was blessed to have a neighbor, you know, to help him do a lot of the work. So over a year and a half it's taken to do that. And again, unless he were to maintain that, which he is doing, it would have overgrown again. And it's like that's kind of what I see God doing with our relationship because he's had some past things and already shared a little bit about some there's another level of unforgiveness in there. So God is just helping me to weave it in a little bit at a time. And it's like, so I can relate and I can share the relation to the rainforest part with his overgrown lawn, you know, yard area and how the things that he discovered on the path of cleaning that out, like a bird of paradise plant, and that triggers some beautiful memories for me and just just so much stuff but it's like yeah you need to maintain it and I think that's why I've been so blessed with um, the triggers that are helping me take me to some different deeper levels as well and we're like on this path together and anyway yeah but the rainforest thing is, is definitely something I can relate to and share with him so yeah Absolutely very cool. <laughs> Thank you. All right. You're very welcome and deserving. Anything else you want to comment on or ask about? No, I'm good. I'm complete. Thank All you. All right. Blessings. Yeah, I, I, Michael would occasionally talk about things um, when I first started um, attending his seminars and listening to his work and listening to the the four-hour Why Is This Happening to Me Again DVD. And um, I would hear him say things like, you know, I I listened back to something that was recorded a number of years ago, and I was amazed at how much I knew way back then. You know, I'm amazed at what comes pouring out of my mouth a lot of the days in the support groups or on this Internet show. And the best of it is stuff I haven't thought about in advance. The best of it is just this flow. And it comes, the the best flow, the best highlight shows, as we used to say on a regular basis, 
the vast majority of shows that have been set aside as highlight shows are shows not where somebody's, you know, uh, Dr. Rice is doing a monologue or I'm doing a monologue or Jeannie's doing a monologue. The best of those shows is when somebody calls in with a question. It's this, you could call it an alchemy. It's this synergy between people. The willingness to ask a question and the openness to just trust that what is going to happen in response to a good question is growth. For a long time, I would routinely quote Rainier Maria Rilke, where he would talk about the critical importance of learning to live in a questioning state without demanding an answer. And I, I got to be honest with you, when I first heard this, I thought that's just that's completely counterintuitive and unproductive and but the fact of the matter is there is so little that we actually truly know that it doesn't really make any sense for us to live our lives in this I know I know what I know But as Rilke points out, even if I go into questioning, but I go in with a demand to know the answer, I'm going to uncover this, it's completely counterproductive because in the moment when a mind can ask a really good question, that mind is not capable of comprehending the true answer. The mind that can ask a really good question needs to learn and grow and stretch and live along someday into what might be hoped to be an answer. But the idea that I'm going to sit here, come up with a good question, and then snap my fingers and have the answer is just plain silly. Because as Rilke points out, if it was possible for the perfect answer to a solid question to come to me in that moment. My mind would experience it as gibberish, like someone speaking from a language that I didn't comprehend. Or like some kind of a buzzing from a, a, a sixth or seventh dimension that I can't perceive fully. It is not possible in the moment when a mind asks a really good question for that level of mind to, to experience, to comprehend the answer. There has to be growth. There has to be expansion. And as I've talked about before, the growth 
can't be just reading books and talking about the books I've read. The growth must be experiential. I must be willing to usher in new experiences, to put myself in situations where I will experience things differently. And if I'm not willing to do that, I'm just going to keep getting more of what I've always had. I can't hear somebody's words about chocolate cake and have any true comprehending of what it's like to eat chocolate cake if I've never had chocolate before, if I've never had cake before. So again, that's the purpose of a show like this, to help us as individuals understand what it would take to usher ourselves into a new experience. What would it take for you to have a different experience of yourself? In this work, Diedrich is talking about how his experience of himself was that he is a shameful, guilt-driven, horrible human being. That's what, that was his experience of himself. That was his belief. How can he have a different experience? He's going to have to challenge those thoughts and beliefs. He's going to have to step into, and in this case he's developed a process called the six-step choose-again process, but step into a way of experiencing, questioning, understanding, and then re-experiencing, learning to doubt those things that he holds so dear, learning to question, deeply question the things that he believes to be true about himself. And if he's not willing to do that, he can't have a different experience of himself. And if he doesn't somehow grow into having a completely different experience of himself, he's just going to stay stuck. And whenever those beliefs about himself get resonated, they will choose the feeling that he experiences in what Dr. Michael Rice would call the automatic decision process. There's not any choice involved. And Diedrich has found the same thing that when he holds a belief about himself and that belief gets activated, that belief chooses the emotion he experiences in the next moment. No choice possible. And of course, we understand it is highly, highly beneficial for us to be able to exercise this spiritual faculty of choice. How do we get there? We have to have a new experience of ourselves. We have to be willing to question everything we think we know about ourselves. In the six-step process, we have to be deeply honest about what we believe about ourselves. We can't hide it from ourselves. So, we have some time, a couple of minutes maybe, for a comment or a question. 
Thank you, Anne, for your input and question. And um, we'll continue tomorrow with some more of the reading from Diedrich's book and doing the best that I know how to make the connections and, and the crossover so that people understand that this is not a substitute for a reality management worksheet. It's just another form of the same kind of process. And that, as we just finished reading from Diedrich, it's a process I need to be willing to engage multiple times, day in and day out, as a kind of a mental, emotional hygiene. It's not a one-and-done kind of an issue. And as he asks us to question, are we worth it? Are we worth the effort it takes to continually clean up our negative beliefs and to go back into the experiences we've had that were less than loving and understand what have we downloaded as a negative belief about ourselves that needs to be questioned and dismantled? So, I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff that we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I will welcome Jeannie Rice. Invite her to turn on her microphone. I will turn on her microphone (laughs) for her. Thank you, Dr. Tim. Appreciate it. You're, You're very welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show. Thank you. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. And today is Monday, September 25th, 2023. And our calling number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you in the queue to talk to us. And we'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And... Hard to believe, but three months from today will be Christmas. Time is just zipping right along. It seems like it goes faster and faster. Our days stay busy. We're uh, still working in the garden. It's still producing marvelously. And we're getting some winter crops planted. We're planting bulbs for next spring in our pollinator garden. And so we are definitely staying busy outside, staying grounded. We actually watched a film uh, last night, or night before last, benefits, the health benefits of grounding, going out and putting your feet in the ground, on the grass, in the dirt, and getting the energy from the earth and how it impacts the body. It was, I'll have to find the title of that documentary that we watched, and I'll post it in the notes. Um, But it was very interesting and talked about, you know, it gave some examples of different people who um, had physical ailments or issues, their child was sick or whatever, and how they started just grounding and that symptoms went away. And um, they even, even to the point of some people saying that they uh, released weight over time by just grounding. 
that that was the only change that they had made. So anyway, Michael and I get grounded every day when we go outside because we always go barefooted. And uh, so it's it's phenomenal. So we are here to invite you to uh, engage in the forgiveness process. Forgiveness not being, you know, you and I interact and I become angry, but I forgive you for making me angry. That's not forgiveness. That's pardoning, which can have some good benefits. But forgiveness, true Aramaic forgiveness, is going inside removing whatever's inside of us that doesn't belong, whether it's anger or fear or grief or pain or whatever, and getting back to being. You know, we ask Aria all the time, you know, what are we here for? And her immediate response is to be loved. And so getting back to being who we are, who we were designed to be, and so that's what the forgiveness process is about, is how to remove the energies that are in there that are less than love and that directs their behavior, whether it's conscious or unconscious. Some of those things are genetic. And so it's about how do you remove it? How do you go inside and make a difference? How can you make a change? And so that's what we are about. And this show is here to assist you if you have questions. We've had, uh, I was just pulling up my other email to see if I had any more questions from the app. I get a report not of who is on the app or how long they're on the app or what they do on the app or anything like that, but I do get a report from both Google and Apple of like how many times it's hit. I think they call it uh, an instant or whatever, but uh, it seems like uh, it's being used more and more, and so that's awesome. And on each page of the app, you can ask a question. If you're in the middle of of one of the worksheets and you have a question, click ask a question and write it down right then before you would forget. And it sends me an email, and then we answer that question on the show, and then I will send you back an email letting you know what day and time that we addressed your question. So that's an awesome feature that we've added to the app. And so it does look like more and more people are using it, and so we're excited about that. And so anyway, while I'm waiting on Michael to dial in, let me look and see if I've got any questions. I believe we answered all of them. Yeah, I don't have any new ones. So anyway, let me see if Michael's having challenges. We had several, uh, it took them three days to answer me. I had submitted to Blog Talk tech support the other day when everybody was trying to dial in and they were getting a busy, fast, busy signal. And so they finally answered me today and said, thank you for your comments. And it's like, okay, (laughs) but it seems to be working now. I'm going to welcome Michael to the show. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. Delighted that you're here and that we get to move forward to the next level. I received a uh, an, an, a cool picture from uh, someone yesterday who had introduced a friend of theirs to the work who's a, a therapist, and their th- friend had sent them a picture of a stack of 750 worksheets that they'd done in the last couple of months. They've been on go uh, as a therapist and really 
putting the tools to work. So pretty cool to uh, to see a, a stack of 750 completed worksheets. And of course, the objective of this work is to come to the point where you really dig in and do the work. The gentleman who had introduced this therapist to uh, to the worksheet process had shared with me that uh, his friend had said, well, how many of these worksheets do I have to do anyway? Or, or how long do I need to do them? And he shared that uh, his sponsor in AA, when he asked how long you have to go to these meetings, the uh, the sponsor said to him, you're going to have to go to the meetings until you want to go to the meetings. <laughs> and, and I thought that was a really good answer. That was the same answer that he gave to this gentleman when he asked, oh, how many of these worksheets will I do? How long will I do them? It becomes a lifetime process, a lifetime commitment and uh, Terry the gentleman who introduced him had shared with me that uh, when he heard that from his friend and he'd actually introduced this gentleman I believe it was about 15 years ago and he sort of toyed around with it but had seriously gotten down and gotten into it it re-inspired Terry who's been doing this work for 20 some years now he actually spent two years at Heartland on the support team and really like just, just made monumental changes in his world and in his life, his his reality structure. So that's what we're here to support. That's what we are here to inspire. So I hope you're inspired to put the pen to the paper and use the tools. And Miss Jeannie, do we have any hands up in the we phone do. queue? Anything happening in the show? Oh, let's say hello. And it's Miss Julia, 360. You're on the air. How are you feeling, young lady? Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm kind of tired today. It's rainy, cloudy, and uh, having a hard time waking up, even though it's It's one of those lazy kind of days, eh? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you questions. Um, like, I really should be doing a, um, a worksheet on. Um, I haven't, and and I should, but I wanted to ask you some questions uh, on um, the United States sending so much money to Ukraine, and um, I allow this to upset me. I I upset myself over this situation. I have a goal that I don't think our tax dollars should be going to fund wars of any kind, let alone trillions and trillions of dollars going to, you know, fighting Russia, giving money to a country that's fighting Russia or any country at all. Um, and, um, but... One of the questions, one one place that I struggle with the worksheet is punishing. Like, I, I wanted to ask you, do you have, like, a list of, of ways we punish ourselves? Um, how am I punishing, and how do I want to punish somebody else? Hmm. You know, Janie, is there a list? I, I don't recall ever 
doing a list on no. forms of punishment, but the, the list would be uh, pretty much endless, I would suspect. The closest we've got to it is in the new power person worksheet, and I don't know if you've gotten to that part of the codependence. When you do, we'll send you that new. It's only used during the intensive, but it has a big list of punishment thoughts. But I have found that one of the main punishment thoughts that people seem to have, I mean, if they're honest, they'll say, you know, I'd like to choke them or I'd like to kick them or yell at them or whatever, but the biggest one is I'm going to withdraw, I'm going to leave, I'm going to, you know, whether it's mentally or geographically or whatever, just not think about it or whatever, that's avoidance, and that's a punishment to them and you. Yeah, I think that's one of my um, top punishments is to just shut down, um, shut, you know, shut the the conversation off and just go in and void it. You just disappeared for me. Michael, can you hear? Oh, are you still there? Are you there, Julia? Your signal must have dropped. You're still on the switchboard, but we can't hear you. Anyway, the silent treatment is a, a very common, um, and and many people, you know, when they they'll say, "Well, I don't want to punish them; I just want to leave," and they think that leaving, abandoning someone, is not punishment when it's one of the most profoundly painful punishments that most people experience. And as far as you know, the way you were languaging, you caught yourself in the middle of, you know, being disturbed about that, and. The uh, the best way that I've found to approach is to recognize that whatever this situation or circumstance is, it shows me the part of me that's disturbed. It shows me the part of me that's agitated, upset, angry, afraid, whatever it happens to be. And when I can acknowledge that it shows me that as opposed to standard cultural response of it makes me, you know, it makes me angry. Now, of course, nothing can make you angry if they're angry if there's no anger in there. And so just recognizing that this, that, or the next thing gives me the opportunity to forgive my anger. And usually underneath the anger, because anger is a drug itself, there's usually pain. And once you start letting go of the anger, then the pain begins to surface. And behind... That pain, you know, shy of, you know, somebody dropping a rock on your head or what have you, there's always a thought disorder. There's always an energetic thought pattern that's out of harmony with truth. And the reason why one would want to get rid of energetic thought patterns that are out of harmony with truth is that whenever they are active, they tend to interfere with guidance. So let's say the circumstance you're talking about or any other circumstance, if there is something for you to do about it, something you can effectively do about it, generally speaking, the condition of upset that's moving will inhibit the ability for you to hear your guidance on what there is to be done about whatever the circumstance is. So acknowledging and recognizing that this shows me something that's inside of me that I'm ready to be responsible for and get rid of. 
as opposed to the cultural language of they made me sad, they made me afraid, they hurt me, they upset me, they disturbed me. Oh, I have disturbance, I have hurt, I have upset in me. So now I recognize that these events in the world show those things to me. And it is the presence of those energetic patterns and the, the thought disorders behind them that keeps me from having access to higher guidance that would empower me to really be able to do something. Hence, the reason for doing the forgiveness process. Hope that makes sense. And are you back, Julie? Well, I think we lost her. Is she still on the switchboard, sweetie? Jeannie? I had to wake up my phone. <clears throat> yes, she's oh, okay. still on. So hopefully she's hearing <laughs> you, but we can't hear I her. I hope so. Yeah. And Julie, if you want to hang up and maybe try dotting back in again to see if we can recapture your voice, because we've lost you, and that's... Not the best thing. So if you can hear me, maybe try hanging up and dialing back in and see if we get a voice connection back. Hello? You're back. Hello? I, that was so we got weird. You. I was just like talking and then I didn't hear anything if you responded back to me because it was just like all of a sudden I heard some silence and I thought that's strange and because I usually hear a little bit of background noise when I'm talking to you and then um, some other man's voice was like saying hello, hello, hello and then I was like hello, hello. That's weird. Am I on some other radio show now? And then he couldn't hear me. So I think maybe if there was someone else in the queue to come onto your show, it was him. But I don't know. It's just like so. I didn't hear I, I, where I was talking, saying, and anyway, so I didn't hear anything you said. No. Okay. <laughs> well, I was mostly uh, pointing the out the. I'll yeah. Yeah. I, I was mostly pointing out the uh, the piece where you kind of caught yourself where you started to say it. It upsets me. Whatever the exact language was, and. Then you proffered that you know you allowed it to upset you, and I was just pointing out that a, a good way to language that is to recognize that this event in the world is showing me something inside of me that is based in a thought disorder. If I'm in upset or disturbance, and this is my opportunity to get rid of that upset or disturbance because it's the thought disorders behind the upset and disturbed mind that inhibit our ability to receive higher guidance. You know, people talk about intuition, and in certain arenas, their intuition will be right on track. In other arenas, there is no intuition whatsoever because where there are unresolved thought disorders in regard to a particular event, those thought disorders will interfere with the subtler energy of guidance. And so that would be one of the reasons that's the crux of what I was was sharing and saying. So me thinking about that situation and having a reaction to it is my data. There is something in me that I need to look at and work on. Correct. 
and find yeah, yeah again and if, find my if goal and cancel that. Yeah, yeah. If there weren't upset or anger or sadness or fear about something that the mind, pardon me, that the mind says is about something, if it weren't in there, then it wouldn't be part of whatever that something is. The event that we're not approving of or not wanting to accept happens, and if there's nothing to be resonated me by it except no, then I'm going to be able to hear. If there is something I can actually do, I'm going to hear my guidance as to what to do about it. Whereas in the arena where things are unresolved, guidance is pretty much trash for most people. So I'd support you doing the uh, the forgiveness work around getting rid of that particular form of disturbance and then go back and, and revisit the event and see what your guidance is. Maybe, you know, maybe you've got the right tone and voice to key into that or any other circumstance and change it. You might be the one person in the world. And that guidance isn't going to be available to you if there's unresolved hostility or fear. So yes, okay. I do some worksheets around it and see what moves out of the way. And you know, the the worksheets that could be done around a situation, you know, like that. You could do worksheets around, uh, you know, taxes, just taxes in general. And you could do worksheets around maybe waste because that's of course a big conversation about taxes. Uh, you could do worksheets around, you know, supporting others. You know, in this case, countries. Uh, worksheets around support. So there are a number of arenas that would probably be beneficial to do worksheets in. And, you know, usually where there's, especially where there's a strong disturbance, you know, kind of disturbance in the field around something, it's not usually just a single thought that's creating that. It's a whole complex of thoughts. And that's why oftentimes it will take more, sometimes many more than just one worksheet to work through a particular disturbed pattern because it's a whole complex of thoughts that go into producing that particular form of disturbance or upset. And until each thought disorder is addressed and forgiven, then that form of upset will tend to reflect and show up over and over and over again. So you may find yourself doing more than one worksheet around it. Yeah. So, um, and then I, w- I had also been asking you about punishment. Um, I want to punish by or self by, and uh, we had come up with withdrawal and shutting down. And um, and, Je- and Jeannie had mentioned a worksheet that... Um, I forget which worksheet it was. Yeah, it was, it's the uh, power person worksheet. Jeannie, do you happen to have one handy on your computer? One of the most recent ones I've sent you? I don't have my computer in front of me. Uh, if I can pull it up. Is that, it's on the website? No. No, it's actually it's the, not. It's in, one that's only part of the codependency interdependence intensive. Okay, then I might have one um, in my thing, in my binder. 
What is it? It's um, actually a 12, title. it's a power person worksheet, and it's actually a 12-page worksheet. That's why we don't put it on the website oh, and put it out publicly. Yeah, I don't have that one. Okay. Yeah, that comes a little later in the intensive. Okay. Yeah, I'm just writing down all the questions about different things that I hear. Um, Perfect. And then I'll address Jeannie with them later some sometime, I don't know. But um the things that I'm um that like I'd love to be a part of the Facebook page. I don't know how to have access to that because there's probably a lot of good uh, information. Okay, well, we'll get, well, have you, uh, usually when Jeannie sets up an intensive, she sets, sends out a uh, an invitation to the Facebook page. You haven't gotten one? Uh, not for that. I mean, I, okay. I think I'm friends well, with we'll Jeannie, make sure but you do. not, and I, okay, thank you. Are, are okay. you and Jeannie connected on Facebook? I am friends with her. Yeah. Okay, so then she'll be able to send you that link or that invitation if you don't have it yet. Yeah. Were you able to pull that up, Jean? Awesome. Give us a second. I am here. searching on my computer for it, but I do have a copy of it for I worked on a power person. So let's see. So we could run through that list. That, that, that's not something we've done on the show before. That would probably be an interesting exercise to uh, to go over the list that we developed for the codependence intensive. Okay, under um, under the uh, power person tactics that I observe my power person do. Deny, blame, dissociate, project. That's the first one. Dissociate, yell, scream, use the voice, quote unquote. Be cute or coy, distract, gaslight, lie, be insincere, deceptive, false religiosity, Criticize self or others, degrade self or others, be covert, convey a different message with my voice tone than with my words, leave, escape, run away, go numb, greed, become self-absorbed, false pride, turn to entertainment, need to be right, make excuses, avoid emotions, stay in my head, intellectualize, unwilling to look within, dish out a daily dose of disapproval of self or others. This would be, just a thought, this would be a list of avoidance slash uh, potential punishments, not all necessarily punishments, but, but ways people avoid dealing with and push away the, uh, the issues that they don't want to look at. Excuse me, Jeannie, go ahead. Okay. Um, Numb, greed, self-absorbed, false pride, turn to entertainment, need to be right, make excuses, avoid emotions, stay in my head, intellectualize, unwilling to look within, dish out a daily dose of disapproval of self or others, be unfair, 
unkind, envy, cheat, attack, destroy, get even, vengeance, steal, OCD can be converted to OCB, defensiveness, taking a position, puff self up, OCB. rage. OCB probably deserves a little bit of uh, uh, an explanation where OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, when one engages in forgiveness, what we offer is it then becomes OCB, an obsessive compulsive blessing. That circumstance actually gives you gifts rather than being a disorder. Excuse me again, sweet. Threaten, pressure, intimidate, use sarcasm, become controlling, have a tantrum, Go silent, withdraw, run, hide, become abusive physically or emotionally or verbally, become boisterous, punish or harm others or self, fantasize punishment or harm, become a pleaser, self-terrorizing thoughts, terrorizing others with my thoughts, words, or actions, judge self, judge others, Make up stories or lies about others or self to block the truth. Never apologize. Violent thoughts, behavior, entertainment again. Never own or admit the truth. Give in or give up. Take the easy way. Never show weakness. Be vulnerable. Rage, food, sugar, alcohol, legal drugs illegal drugs, busyness to keep from looking, exercise, spending, shopping, sex, promiscuity, pornography, seduction, reading, criminality, laziness, games, television, entertainment, again, we need to adjust that, electronics, social media, violence, tell my story, irritation, Spiritual rituals, criticize self or others, excess cleaning, mediation or meditation, transcend above the issue, frustration, gossip, complaining, workshop groupie, diversion, distraction, escapism, leaving, running away, fear-based concern about others, children, self, parents, the world, lack of trust, Separate your life into pieces. Obfuscation. Create confusion. Play the victim. Drama queen or king. Stories and or distractions to create avoidance. Turn to a fantasy. Make up facts to justify my conclusion to make it believable to me or others. That's the end of that list. That's awesome. That's a great list. Before uh, and, before the uh, day is out, I'm actually doing some editing on that worksheet. Uh, I've been working on it currently. I'll make sure to complete the edits, and I'll make sure that gets into an email to you today, um, Julia. Oh, thank you. So oh, you'll cool. have the whole worksheet. I, yeah, I just finished today. I listened to relationship substitution. So that's how far I'm into it. I think I only have about eight videos, seven videos left. Wow, you're rocking. So, 
Yeah, but this is my first time, right? I'm just I'll be going through it again because I um it was later in in the videos that I heard Jeannie say that each video like corresponds with these different worksheets that I have right. that I haven't done. So, I'm like just kind of building the brain cells this first round and then my second Perfect. round then um I'll be diving deeper. Then yeah, the third yeah. round, it's and then the fun. fourth, <laughs> and then the fifth, <laughs> and then the sixth. Yeah, then I might start understanding, right? Like, oh, yeah, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> well, my my observation, Julia, over the years is that, you know, when you think about how massive this multi-generational database is that each of us carries around in our so-called body's mind, that it has generations upon generations upon generations upon generations of information. I mean, it's beyond what we can conceive as massive. If we were to compare it to computing power, we could take all of the super cray computers on the planet and put them together, and it would not approximate the storage capacity or processing power of one human form. So when you realize how massive it is, and ultimately what this work is about doing is changing its direction, the direction that thing's moving. And, you know, when we hear Yeshua say, in order for you to live, you've got to die, he's not talking about physical death. He's saying there is a self based in this multi-generational database that is false and it controls your life, and it's got to go. And its major attribute is inertia. And if you remember from physics class in high school, inertia is defined as a body moving in a particular direction at a particular rate of speed will tend to continue to move in that direction at that rate of speed until it's acted upon by an outside force. So you... As, as each of us wakes up to the truth of who we are, to being, you know, that first step in the worksheet, I, Michael, who am love, when I realize that's who I am, that I'm not this image of self stored in brain cells from that multi-generational database, and that sucker is moving where it's moving, and it does not change directions easily. My observation is, over the last 50 years of working with people, is that it literally takes people, and I'm talking about people who are tapping in and doing their work, anywhere from five to ten years to really dig in and comprehend what it is that we're talking about. And we're talking about changing the direction of the whole process of this, what we'll call the non-being mind, and removing its root traumas so that the changes that take place there become the outside force that shifts the whole direction of where this thing is going, this, this not what we'll call the non-being self, and making room for, through deletion of the aberrant content, making room for the true mind, the true state of being, what was called the mind of Christ, the mind of love to show up in our physiology, especially in challenging circumstances, especially where, you know, and you'll notice that 
you know, nobody is ever, unless somebody's just a generally miserable person, nobody's ever upset while everybody in their environment is achieving all the goals that they have for them. You know, everybody's pretty happy with most everybody if their goals are being achieved. And that's why the goal, identifying specifically what the goals are and then canceling the goals is what collapses the output of this multi-generational database whose main attribute is inertia and start to coax it and move it in a different direction. And it's a process that, uh, that takes time. So each time you go through that, you know, when, when we did the, um, that codependence intensive, actually there are two intensives that are wired together in that uh, self-study program that you bought and to that worksheet that I'm talking about that I'll send you that I'm still working on because it's a whole new piece of information that started with those two intensives we actually extended the uh, intensive by about I think it was three weeks when we started to work with that instead of a 14-week intensive it ended up being 17 weeks because that's where that worksheet you know it came out of the flow of back-to-back codependence to interdependence zoom intensives and and i'm still working on it because it's a totally too new piece of information as well as you know the uh the cody pardon me the communication did you hear what i think i said you know, for the 25 or more years that I've been teaching the, the workshop called Communication, did you hear what I think I said? The worksheet's been a single page. It was a young lady whose favorite tool, Magda, you've perhaps heard her on the show before, her favorite tool pretty much has always been that worksheet. And she volunteered, she and Chuck volunteered to be the uh, example in the intensive using that worksheet. And it was really her dedication and her interaction and discoveries that opened up, moving it from a one-page sheet that it had been for literally for a quarter of a century to where now it's a three-page worksheet. So, you know, the, the developing of the brain cells and the insight and the understanding is an ongoing process. And every time I interact with it, there's another, oh, gee, how could I have missed that? Oh, why didn't I see that? Didn't have the brain cells for it. And, you know, until we have the brain cells, the mind cannot, you know, when they talk in the scriptures about the mind of man, it speaks of the mind of man has not conceived of what lies in store. Why not? Because we don't have the brain cells for it. And the whole process, the, the major part of the process is building brain cells for the unseen, the unconceived, and in many cases, the, the hidden, the denied and dissociated parts of the mind. So you're right on track with going through it and getting ready to go through it again and start putting the pen to the paper on the worksheet. It's That's really what it's all about, is building the brain cells. So congratulations. Thank you, and thank you for doing this work. And 
for you and Jeannie, um, your organization of it, putting it all out there in a way that someone like me, just new to this and can even absorb it, you know, even um, make any sense of it. But it does, it does, I really resonate with it. And um, I really know, I really feel in my heart that this is the work I want to do. And um, however long it takes. That's awesome. And, and then like you said, I've heard you say before, like, you'll never get it done. And you'll always be doing it, and that's fine. And uh, it all happens in the now anyway. And yes. it's like we're like onions, you know. We're just layers of layers of layers. There's not a veil. There's veils. <laughs> many veils. Many, many curtains. I... Yeah, I like the idea of the lotus flower. You know, peeling an onion gets pretty nasty for the eyes and the sinuses and such, but opening the lotus blossom is a good image, too, <laughs> to keep it, you know, just keep it opening. And uh, the ongoing process is uh, is pretty amazing. Yeah, I think they call pretty amazing. It, it a thousand petal. There's like a thousand petal lotus at your heart. And right. I've heard that before. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Awesome, young lady. Well, any other thoughts for you? Um, I think I'm complete right now, and I'll be absorbing this and listening to it again. Awesome. All right. Right. Lots of love and blessings. (laughs) (laughs) Julia, I just sent you an uh, invite to two different Facebook pages, the Codependence to Interdependence, and then also Healing Through Food. And then if you look back through, and it may have fallen into your spam, a lady named Yurate sent you an invite back in July for the Trello app. Okay, yeah, I got that. I downloaded the Trello, and I'm not sure if I joined the Facebook page for for, um, Yurate's um, food, but I will now for sure. Yeah, I just sent you an invite on Facebook. Nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm um, eight days sugar-free, and I right. still haven't been drinking, yeah, coffee. So I'm changing my my eating habits and getting rid of some addictions layer by layer. Nice. Well, and remember that as you especially let go of the addictions, there will be what the addictions have been covering that are going to have to surface and just remember to breathe and keep on track, keep doing the right things until that those energetic patterns are just totally and completely gone, finished with them. Yes. Yes, I will. I am. And thank Fabulous. you. All right. Delighted yeah. Thank have you. You guys one. have a beautiful day. Take care. It's in the plan. All righty. Bye-bye. Yay. <laughs> Bye. And we do have another hand up, and I don't have this number listed, so let's see who our caller is. It's area code 864. You are on the air. Who do we have? I think you got me. Is it me? Well, hey there. Who is Yeah, Now, who is now we need to make sure we get your proper introduction, right? <laughs> Please do. Everybody, this is Joe. <laughs> We have a picture of him posted on our poster board here. I know you can't see it because this isn't a TV medium, but we do have a picture of Joe, and he's outstanding in a field because that's what Joe is. This is Joe, and he's outstanding in his field. 
Hi, Michael. I'd like to thank you for having me on the show today. It really would. Uh, Jeannie, uh, as well, thanks very much. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. How, how come I don't have this phone number on you? <laughs> is it a new number? Oh, oh yeah, it is. New number. Yep. So now you have it. Now, the, you know, it's, that's it. It's out. It's out in the open. And I didn't, you know, I'm just glad to be here, I guess. Uh, I wanted to at least, at least share with you, after listening to the previous caller, which is just so gratifying to know the sisters and brothers out there doing the work. Um, I'm just, with you on that. Uh, you know how difficult it is to let go, to to change and I don't even want to say that out loud it really because it is uh it is just a mindset it's not as difficult as I certainly make it to be um I want to make it difficult oh yeah you know yeah it's difficult no it's it, just do do my worksheets do my work uh practice 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 um and it gets just gets better and better or or uh, the, the peace the vastness becomes full of peace and uh, peace, profits, and purpose. How about that? That's my latest. Yeah, go so. for it. <laughs> it's one of Jeannie. That's one of Michael's favorite. Uh, we ought to we ought to probably put that in a quote. And that is, it goes like this. I'll, I'll imitate Michael. You ready? I'm ready. Ah, go for it. Ah. Go for it. I just did. <laughs> yeah. ah. oh, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, ex- oh, expand brother. upon that, Joe, from an exper- experiential um, person and going through it. I'm actually dealing with a person right now, and and one of his comments almost every time I work with him is, "This is so hard." Oh gosh, it it it, and it's really you know, Mike. Uh, brought up the lotus, you know, and you think about, oh, sure, you know, it, it makes so much sense because of the mud. That mud, you know, you get your feet, you get your hands in there, and you're holding. Next thing you know, you just can't. Uh, this is hopeless. I can't get. I can't get this mud off me. And uh, that's just not. That's not true. It's just really a. Uh, I, what's interesting to me is the the setup, and I really do think we uh, we have a lot of setup or I do, I guess, in terms of I've set this up a certain way based on what I learned and that that word collapsing or deleting, I've heard that one today, collapse, delete those, those schematics, collapse and delete those uh, uh, methods that you thought worked. Uh, and they may have worked but not as well as forgiveness, um, the results, or the, uh, again, to, you know, to spread my wings, for lack of a better metaphor, to spread the peacefulness in the, in the vastness of my space and breathe and all those wonderful things to, <clears throat> to work towards or you know and there, and there it is again even in our language my languaging um, 
makes me or helps with this misconception. And I, it's certainly one of the beauties of, of your work is to say, hey, let's cut the, let's cut the chaff here. Let's let's get right to the to the seed here and to the root. That's the other thing I, I come up for me recently is. You know the ground is the ground and everything, but there's there's roots down there, and that's where I want to go. I want to be at the root level, root analysis. But it's always difficult when you're outstanding in the field. I mean, it's just not easy being me. All right. I mean, I think I've established that. Anybody? I lost you. Well, all I can say, Hello? Joe, is somebody has to do it, right? <laughs> And and it takes somebody with big that can build fill big shoes, right? I mean, somebody with big feet. Big shoulders. That's what I really meant to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Broad shoulders and big feet. Okay. Uh, uh, amen, brother. Amen. What fun. Yep. What else is new? Anything good? Uh, you know, we're just rolling along. Cool. All things moving forward. All right. Spend time in the yeah. garden again this morning and yeah. uh, rock good. and roll. Oh, I, how about leafy leafy green smoothie? What's your recommendation on something? What's the best thing to throw in a smoothie that's green? Oh, just I mean, about. I mean, we've done lettuces. You can do spinach. Yeah. Kale is probably one of the more popular ones for smoothies. Right. Kale's just something. And best, so. I was best thinking. to make it organic uh-huh. kale if you can. Best to make it. And we use the green powder sometimes. Oh, you got the green powder too? Okay. All right. Got to run. Thank you. All right. Have a blessed one. All right. I love you. You too. Bye-bye. And we have another hand up, and this one is Miss Magda. Awesome. And it's Oh, great. Let's say hello to Miss Magda. I just took your name in vain a few minutes ago, so... Yeah, it reminded me, Michael, that I need to go through that and, and listen to that again because I I learned so much. It would probably <laughs> have a whole other you. set of gifts for you. I know, I know, always. Um, so the reason I'm calling in is because I wanted to uh, check with you on the punishment thoughts. You've been talking about that this morning with Julia. And... Um, in terms of self-punishment, um, I got to the place in my worksheets where I realized everything I do that keeps me out of love, out of the space of love, is self-punishment, and that that is the common denominator of anything else. Because it used to be, I mean, lots of times my <laughs> the um, behavior that I would write down there was that I wanted to scream and yell and uh, and then think badly of myself um, and so forth, you know, things like that. But, but I just got to the point where it seemed like, okay, all of that is on the surface, but the real punishment is that I'm not in the space of love, and that's what I'm really doing to myself. So, I've given up my human life. Or, yeah, yeah, right. That's it. I made something more important by by making something more important than my connection to my source. 
Yeah. I've given up my human life. That to me that that takes me back to that story that is so powerful about uh, those two young men in England who who bought and raised this lion until <laughs> they couldn't handle it any longer. And the, the lion's name was Kristen the Lion. If anybody hasn't watched it, look it up on YouTube, Kristen the Lion. And uh, they literally raised this cub in in a churchyard in London, England, in London. I don't know whether it was exactly in London, but in, in that area. And uh, and when the lion got too big, they shipped it off, made arrangements, and shipped it off to a preserve in Africa. And about a year later, they wanted to go visit their lion and the people who ran the preserve were like, you can't do that. This this thing is a wild beast. We've got a a collar on him. We track him, and he's got his own pride. And if you showed up here, he'd tear you to pieces. And Mm -hmm. um, they said, well, we want to come visit our lion. And they track it, and and the, the people who run the preserve literally send a driver out with a high power rifle because they know they're going to have to kill this lion. And they get within, you know, with the tracking device gets them within, you know, a close distance where they can hear. And they're calling this lion and, and this lion comes charging at them and jumps up all over them like a long lost friend with a kitten. Mm-hmm. This huge male lion. And the for me the most powerful part of that video is when the female who's totally completely wild comes along with this lion and normally you know the female's the huntrick she would take those guys out in a heartbeat and walks over and lets them pet her like a kitten in that space of love and when we give up that connection, all kinds of crazy things happen. But, uh, you know, what a – to me, the the possibilities in that are just so profound and endless. It's amazing. That, that is uh, – that part of the story, a part of the real story that actually happened, it, it just uh, – brings tears of joy to my my eyes and and feelings of, of such gratitude to my heart every time I hear it. It's like this is the possibility that we all have when we are holding love, being love, you know, and, and radiating that. This is the possibility. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And to see that, you know, normally what this female line would do, I mean, there's nothing that even resembles what people would think of as this wild female line's behavior. And why? What? I mean, to me, the only conclusion you can come to is her mate, the lion they raised, is that space with these two men, and these two men are that space with that lion, and she totally is transformed by it. And there's the power of it. I know. It's gorgeous. Okay, well then, so I guess what I'm hearing is that I'm I'm on the right track in regards to... Sounds like a thousand percent to me. Okay, okay. Actually, one of the earlier worksheets used to have in it the question, you know, what's my error? And 
it's one of the pieces that I ended up ultimately dropping out of the worksheet. But the the error is I made something, this goal, more important than being connected to my source. Yeah, right. Gave up my yeah. human life. Which brings up the story of the rose and the butterfly. Yes. <laughs> yep. Which yeah. is a good illustration of that. Yeah. Okay, good. It I is. I just wanted to check that out. I've never checked that with you before. It just seemed totally right when I when I discovered that um, for myself. So good. Yes. Okay. And and again, I want to acknowledge you for your willingness and the way you transformed that worksheet when you did that uh, that piece in the intensive. It was just so profoundly powerful. And then it feels that the upshot of it was just. Mind-boggling. So, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. You are so welcome. I, I don't know if I ever told you, but I had a lot of worksheets to do after that experience because I really. I remember what came up. <laughs> a lot. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was big. That was major. And and a lot of that for me was embarrassment. Because I truly thought that I knew how to use that process correctly. <laughs> so it was it was great that that you all stuck with me through that. It was a long process and it was incredibly good. Thank you. Well, I'm I am most appreciative of the fact that you were willing to go for it because it was your action that brought the transformation in the next level into existence with it so hmm. i guess we were all supposed to meet up at that time and place to do that weren't we there you go that's it <laughs> that is okay. it for sure i'm going to sign off and wish everyone a bunch of bunch of happiness and joy and and stay in love yeah okay well tell chuck we said hello and give him a hug for us i will i will thank you dear bye-bye Cardi, take care. Bye-bye. So we have five minutes. We've got time for a quick uh, question. Um, 563-999-3581. Press 1. Not everybody at once. And and if we don't have a question, then I'm going to just talk a little bit about the Communication, did you hear what I think I said? Worksheet and process. And delineate the difference. This is a perfect place to plug it in. It'll only take about five minutes. But to delineate the difference between what we identify in that workshop as projection communication and then the tool that takes us into what we call responsibility communication. Recognizing that perception is a construct of the mind. You know, again, and I say this often, but it's a process of building brain cells to really comprehend it. We say, I looked out through my eyes like I have two peepholes in my head that I can see what's going on in the world. It's one of the biggest falsehoods that's ever been told to humanity. You do not have two peepholes through which you look out into the world. You have two receivers or antenna, and the light energy that comes into your eye 
sets up a resonance in your brain. And according to what's stored in your multi-generational database called the body-mind unit, your mind generates a construct we call reality or perception. What most people do is that construct in their minds because they think they're actually looking at something out there. They describe it in terms that imply that they believe that what's going on in their brain is actually what's happening out there. And that's called projection communication. Now, the shift that takes place with that particular workshop is to move into responsibility communication. And responsibility communication looks like I have a reality in my mind and I describe it as though I know that it's mine, it's internal to me, and I'm responsible for it. Actually, a good example started early in the show when we were speaking with Julia and she said something to the effect of how whatever it was created a disturbance or upset. So when I say, you make me mad, through my sensory apparatus, information comes in that resonates hostility in me, my drug, and that hostility moves because I refuse to own it, I deny ownership of it, I make pictures of other people. So what's projection communication look like? You made me mad. So we addressed that earlier in the show. The alternative to that, when you move into responsibility communication, everything changes. Now all of a sudden it's the realization that what you did brought up anger in me. Now I've moved from projecting it, see, you're the cause of my anger, to recognizing that my anger is something that's inside of me, it's internal to me, it's generated by my own mind, and when I communicate that I'm responsible for it and own it, I have the opportunity to change it if I don't like it. Whereas if I live in the game of projection communication, you made me mad, you made me sad, you made me afraid, then there's really nothing I can do about my mad, my sad, or my afraid because, of course, it's caused by you. So the difference of night and day when you actually shift into responsibility communication. And the show just informed me that we're down to the last minute or so, so I'm just going to say thank you, everybody, for joining us. Hope that fits and makes sense and is helpful for you. Have, have a blessed one. Bye-bye.